Hey, what's going on? Today, I'm going to talk for a second about this really fascinating thing I saw where Nicki Minaj was getting massive praise from a pretty surprising place. It looks like Guy, or sorry, um, uh, uh, Kiyosaki, Robert Kiyosaki. I was going to say Guy Kawasaki. That's a different guy. Looks like Richard, Ki- uh, why am I, <laughs> why am I saying his name wrong? Um, Kiyosaki, Robert Kiyosaki. There we go, boys. Let's get it right. Robert Kiyosaki, author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, actually gave some interesting praise to Nicki Minaj. And I thought it was worth talking about. And I'm going to explain to you why I'm not surprised. I'm surprised, but not surprised that he went out of his way to support Nicki uh, during this really difficult, crazy time. And uh, I'm going to explain why it relates to you and why I'm talking about it. So get comfortable, buckle up your seatbelt. We're going to get started on the Black Financial Channel right now. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Black Financial Channel. This is theblackfinancialchannel.com. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. I'm your friendly neighborhood finance professor. On the Black Financial Channel, we talk about black wealth and black economics every single day, and uh, we do it under one condition. The condition is that you have to be black first. That means you have to put your community at the top of your priority list. The reason black people fall behind is because we're out saving the world and we're not saving ourselves. It doesn't mean you have to be black to be here. We don't hate anybody, but at the same time, we love ourselves. So if you agree with that philosophy, put a hashtag B in the number one in the chat. Hashtag B1. That means black first. All right. What's going on, Max Jerome? How you doing, brother? Vince Pass. Good morning to you and Terry Cobb and Leon Taylor and and, uh, the rest of you. Uh, Everybody say hi as you come in. Uh, I am up early in the morning, actually, because I'm in... um, South, South Dakota, actually, Keystone, South Dakota, which uh, which their their black population is probably like negative 10. And um, and my wife is running a half marathon. And I'm I y'all know I started running, but I gave up those long races. I, I don't like those. I don't like anything longer than about eight, nine miles. You get to where you can run it 13, 14 miles. Uh, that, that, that ain't for me. That ain't for me. Shout out to everybody who does that stuff. But that's not for me. And so I, but to support my wife, I, I came out here with her and, and she went out and did the run and they had to start it super early in the morning. So that's why I'm up because I want to make sure my baby gets on the bus. Okay. All right. So let's talk about this for a second. Let's jump in here. Hit the thumbs up button. Um, Nicki Minaj, Nicki Minaj, have you, give me a yes or no if you've been following what's been going on with Nicki Minaj and uh, all the nonsense, you know, in terms of her going back and forth with, with the White House over this um the government shot. I'm not going to call it, I'm going to use the V word because they're banning people's speech. Now you're not allowed to even ask questions anymore. My God, what's wrong with you? You're questioning the government. How dare you question the very same government that has injected all kinds of poison into your bodies and drop crack cocaine into your community and been lying to you left and right. But, but, but you can't question them. You, you question them. Something's wrong with you. What's wrong with you? And the worst part is that you got black people doing that. You got black people who are out here shaming other black people for simply asking a damn question. Well, you know what? If I ask a question and you get mad at me for just asking the question, that usually means that you want some BS. Seriously. I, I, let me tell you a quick little story. Uh, we'll get back. We'll definitely get to Nicki Minaj and get and, um, Richard Kiyosaki in a second. But I had this uh, deal. I did a movie deal. It's a true story. Back when I was to do more work with uh, Damon dash out West, I did a movie deal with a guy. His name was Tony. And uh, Tony was a smooth talking dude and and uh, he laid out the project. Now, I was new to the movie industry since then. We've made several films. I don't know if you guys know we have Boyce Watkins films. Uh, Till Death Do Us Part is our most uh, recent film. And um, 
and but but at that time I had never made a movie before, so I started working with this this slick talking con artist named Tony. Got a bunch had a bunch of gold teeth in his mouth, you know, and and, and some funny colored shoes, and and I just thought it was because people in L.A. are weird. I I just thought, well, if he's got all these connections, then maybe maybe I'm the weirdo, right? But that's the thing that this is what happens when you don't trust your own instincts. So so I, so I got introduced to this guy Tony, and uh, we did a business deal. And look, I'm going to just give you all the short version of the story. Fast Talking Tony had me invest in what was a, a, a substantial amount of money into this project. And Fast Talking Tony always had a whole lot of explanations for why certain things didn't get done. You know, and, 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 and so, so I, I was asking Tony innocent questions at first, and Tony didn't have good answers. And then I started asking questions that weren't so innocent. Then I started getting to the point where I said, you know what, let me get on the phone with this brother and I'm going to have somebody else listening in on the conversation so they can hear me ask him questions and see how he responds. And and Tony would get real, real flimsy. I asked the question, well, you know, you know, boys, you know, brother, you know, he he knew my language, right? He knows that I'm all in this pro-black stuff. So he used the word brother a lot. Well, you know, brother, it's out here, brother, we got to, we got to do this, brother, you know how it is. You know, you get those blubbery, fast-talking Negroes that are full of crap. They'll just talk, talk their way around a, a apple tree. So, so Tony's doing all this blubber talk. You know, well, brother, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then I said, I started asking them more direct questions. I started asking more and more questions and they were, and I knew, and it got to the point where I knew the answer to my own questions. I didn't even need his answer. His answer meant nothing to me. I would just ask the question just to see what it looks like when he's lying. And cause I knew at that point he was lying. And, 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 and eventually Tony got so frustrated with the questions I was asking that he just got mad and hung up the phone. And I asked my friend, I said, so what did you think? What was your interpretation of that conversation? Because at that point, I'm telling you, you got to trust your instincts. I didn't trust my own instincts. And, and, and she said, oh, he got upset because he, you called him on some BS. You, you, he knew he was caught. And, and, and so, this, so when I think about the, the whole situation with the government and Big Pharma and these shots and everything else, I think about Tony the Scammer, where this guy – where I was asking him all these questions, these really clear questions, innocent questions that he should have had the answer to. Just you know, an honest guy would have had the answer to those questions in one second. Um, I, I I noticed that they tend to get upset when questions are asked, and 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 I, I think that's just a general rule for life. I think any situation you're ever in, if you ever run into a situation where you have a legitimate right to ask a question, and the people get mad at you for even asking that usually means they have something to hide. This is why I'm getting back to Nicki Minaj. Nicki Minaj, you know, the, the, the Nicki Minaj was never saying don't get the shot. If you go pay very close attention to what Nicki said, Nicki never said don't do it. Nicki said, hmm, I need more information or I'm not really sure about this, right? And, and, and a lot of people are doing this. A lot of people, I, I told you guys, I'm not an anti, I'm not an anti-V. I'm not going to use that word because they, 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 they're starting to censorship. They're starting to do censorship on what you can actually say. You know, and they, they try to act like they ain't got nothing to do with Nazi Germany. But this is what they did in Nazi Germany, in case you're wondering. And, uh, and but so I'm, I've never been anti. I've been pro-common sense. I've been pro-truth. And what I've noticed is that it got to the point where people were like, look, stop asking questions. Because when you ask questions, it makes people doubt what we say. Well, maybe the reason they should doubt what you say is because you don't necessarily have the best track record when it comes to telling the truth. 
you just lost two trillion dollars and got thousands of people killed in Afghanistan because you were out there lying. You were out there telling bold faced lies and ostracizing anybody who didn't go along with the program. If you recall, anybody remember uh, Colin Powell's pound cake speech? I think it was pound cake or maybe Bill Cosby had the pound cake speech. Something about some about pound cake, something about cake and lemon. I forgot what it was, but something about a cake. I don't remember what, but something about uh, nuclear weapons being in Iran or Iraq. I'm sorry, Iraq. Anybody remember that when Colin Powell used all his credibility? I don't know if he got played or if he played himself, but he used all his credibility to go in front of the United Nations and convince the world that Iraq had weapons of mass destruction. Anybody remember that? That was the number one speech that allowed us to then go and invade Iraq, which then, it was yellow cake. Sorry, I was thinking pound cake. Maybe I'm just hungry. I don't know. Maybe I'm just, maybe I need to go get something to eat. But, but, but seriously, and, and, and it was because of that speech that he, that we were able to go to war. And, and now, you know, 20 years later, you know, after being humiliated with the fall of Kabul and thousands of people, thousands of Americans dying, Hundreds of thousands of Af- Afghans die, and I don't know how many people died in Afghanistan and Iraq from this. You know, suddenly they're like, "Oh, well, sorry, we made a mistake. We 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 got it wrong." You know, well, you know, that's the thing. It it, it may not may or may not prove that you're a bold faced liar. I at worst it means you're a bold faced liar. At least it means that sometimes you get it wrong. And so so in this case, my my question with all of this is that when you're looking at a situation that 99.9% of us are going to survive, maybe there's some areas where you're just getting it wrong. If you're coming out a few months later and you're changing your story and re-explaining things that, that you thought you understood six months ago, but now you realize you didn't understand it that well back then, maybe it means that sometimes you get it wrong. And, and so, and I think that with Nicki Minaj, and this is why I'm glad Robert Kiyosaki spoke up for her, and, and there, a lot of people did, um, she's just kind of asking questions. I think a lot of people have, there are PhDs from Stanford who have the same questions that Nicki Minaj has. So, so I, I think that this idea that somehow, if you ask questions, something's wrong with you. Anybody who says stuff like that is not your friend. Anybody who doesn't want you asking questions is not your friend. If you donate money to something, you know, somebody says, I'm gonna go build a school and you make a donation and you say, Hey, where's the school? Ain't nothing wrong with asking that question. I'm sorry. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Ain't nothing wrong with people saying like, hey, I gave you my money. You said you were going to deliver something. You didn't deliver it. What's going on? You know, it's not an accusation. The question is not an accusation. So so with Nicki Minaj, um, I keep calling him Guy Kawasaki, but his name is Robert Kiyosaki, and I need to stop that. I probably... Who knows? Maybe they could, maybe somebody's gonna accuse me of being anti-Asian or something. I have no idea because I keep getting the name wrong. Um, but here's what Robert Kiyosaki said. Uh, he's the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He said, I love Nicki Minaj. She has the guts to stand her ground. She supports freedom's freedom. I don't know if he meant to say it that way, but that's I don't know if she if it's a typo or not. He said she supports our freedom's freedom. And it's like one word, it's kind of weird. He says, um, in fact, actually, I'll share my screen so y'all can see what I'm looking at. And you can understand why I'm a little bit confused by some of his quote. Maybe maybe he was tweeting while he was on the toilet or something. Let me see here. Here we go. All right. So I love Nicki Minaj. She has the guts to stand her ground. She supports our freedom's freedom, our freedom to think for ourselves, our freedom of speech. If you want to wear a mask and take the 
be, I'm not going to say the word, just do it. Leave our freedoms alone. That's why I love Nikki. We love freedom. Now, how many of you, based on that statement, how many of you agree with what Richard Kiyosaki just said? Give me a yes or no if you agree with what Richard Kiyosaki said about Nicki Minaj. I'm going to be the first to say I like it. I think it was a great statement. I think that he's 100% correct. I don't think anybody has still fully explained to me why me not getting the, the shot that you got somehow harms you if you got the shot that's supposed to protect you from people like me. I know that people can explain it. Well, you know, the, the shots are not 100% effective and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, uh, okay, yeah, but still, bro, seriously. Really? Really? Like, you know, again, even when you talk about things like, uh, you know, the, the, like abortion, um, I'm, not, I'm, prob- I'm probably more pro-choice than I am pro-life, although I, I don't like it. But, you know, that it just, it just never made me comfortable, you know. And, but But can you imagine if people, if every time somebody got an abortion, they were like, well, I'm mad because you didn't get one, too. You, If I got one, you should get one, too. Why should I be forced to copy your personal decision? What happened to the whole conversation about my body, my choice? <laughs> Seriously. So, so I think that Richard Kiyosaki, the reason I, Robert Kiyosaki, see, I keep messing his name up. I'm probably secret. Maybe I'm subconsciously anti-Asian. I don't, I hope I'm not. I don't, I have a lot of friends that are Asian. I don't, I don't want to be that way, uh, but maybe I need help. Uh, but Robert Kiyosaki, a smart guy for whom I have tremendous respect, the reason he supports Nikki in a way that has nothing to do with him writing the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad is because if you look at what Rich Dad, Poor Dad's all about, it's all about freedom, right? Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki's most famous book, it's all about thinking outside the box. Rich Dad, Poor Dad is all about getting off the grid. It's about not being the sheep. It's about not following the crowd. It's about doing something different so you can get something different. It's about questioning the very essence of everything you're taught since birth. Because when you are born, they teach you pretty much the same message that they have to do this. They have 330 million people to manage. You know what they teach you? They teach you to sit down, shut up, and do what you're told. Sit down, shut up, be quiet. We, we're teaching uh, old English literature. Sit down and learn English literature, even though you're black and you don't give a shit about that stuff. Uh, or when you get when you turn 18, you want to do well, well go, well, go to college and sign this paper that'll put you $100,000 in debt. And then, and then after that, go get you a job. Go work for a corporation. Do what you're supposed to do. Do what you're told. Follow orders. Right? And, and, and I'm not saying that there's not a place for that, right? Again, they have 330 million people to manage. You can't have everybody out doing their own thing all the time. This this idea of freedom, sometimes it, it becomes almost unsustainable because if everybody just does whatever they want to do, whenever they want to do it, you're going to have a pretty chaotic society. So let me just give you an example. When I taught a class in China, I taught uh, college students in China. I was teaching finance there up in 2006. And the students were about the most orderly, organized, well-disciplined, well-behaved group of people I've ever met in my life. They weren't like the students in America. When I taught at Syracuse University, our students were all over the place. They, they felt they acted like the, the professor worked for them. You know, well, my daddy gave money to the school, so you got to do what I say. And I'm like, I'm not doing what the hell you say. That's why things didn't quite work out for me when I was at Syracuse. I, I got in their face and was like, I'm not, you know, I'm the teacher. You're not going to tell me what to do. But in China, I didn't have that problem. <clears throat> Tremendous respect for the professor. Everybody was well-behaved. Nobody spoke out of turn. Everybody did what they were supposed to do. And if they didn't, 
uh, there was a punishment for that. Well, I asked one of my students, I said, where did that come from? You know, how did, what, why are the students here so different? And one of the things she said was that when you're a kid and you go to school in China, they tell you that when the teacher's talking, you do not talk. You come to class, you sit on your hands, and you do not speak unless you are asked to specifically speak back. And, 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 and the thing is, obviously, that's, you know, that can be argued to be kind of oppressive, right? No question about it. And we know China isn't exactly a friend of democracy. We know that. But one of the points that was made as well to justify that, again, not to say I agreed, but I did hear this point, was that they have over a billion people to manage. And since they have a billion people that they have to control, they can't have everybody doing whatever they want to do. So the, the, the point here, long story short here, is that uh, Robert Kiyosaki is a guy that believes in freedom. I also agree that freedom is beneficial for you if you're trying to do something that's different. Um, I'm also, like Robert Kiyosaki, uh, a supporter of what Nicki Minaj is doing. Uh, I know that we can say we can talk all day about some of the things Nicki's done in the past. I think Nicki should always have to answer for that. There's no excuse for any of that. But at the same time, you have to give credit where it's due. I think Nicki Minaj has been that one person who has done something that a thousand celebrities should be doing right now. Also, uh, Robert Kiyosaki supporting her and going out of his way to get on his Twitter page where he has uh, probably a couple million followers and to go out of his way to make an extensive statement in support of Nikki is exactly what you expect to see and hope to see in a functioning democracy. What you're seeing is you're seeing people speaking up and basically saying, look, we have a right to do what we want to do. Even if I never get a jab and I die, that does not mean that you have the right to stand over my dead body and say, ha ha, I told you so. What it means is that everybody, every intelligent person knows that, yes, there's a risk if you get jabs, there's a risk if you don't get the shot. But sometimes people are willing to take the risk. Some people say, look, one risk is better than the other risk. The risk that I might not get the shot and bad things can happen, maybe for some people, it's not as great as the risk that I can take this shot and find out three years later that they've done something to my DNA that I can't fix, right? So, so I personally think that speaking up is the only thing, the only logical thing to do here. And I think it's okay to speak up and say, I got the shot. I believe everybody should get it. I think it's your right to say it. I think that's fine. I have people in my own family that say that. But when you start saying, I got the shot, and if you don't get the shot, then screw you. Well, you know what? You're adding to the division. You're basically doing exactly what they want you to do. What they want you to do is they want you to ostracize anybody who does not go along with what the government wants them to do. They're creating deliberate division. Joy Ann Reed is on MSNBC doing everything she can to mind control people into hating and attacking and beating up on anybody who doesn't go along with the government program. And, and I'm sorry, I, I think that that is disingenuous. I think it's highly unethical. I think that it is, um, you know, she might earn the Butter Biscuit Award for 2021 because that's not necessary. Make your own choice. Even tell people what your choice was and explain why. Justify your decision. You have a right to do all of that. But don't go out here shaming and attacking people who don't do what you do or people who are going to start doing the same thing to you. So anyway, 
um, that's my two cents on it. Um, I think Robert Kiyosaki supporting Nicki Minaj is a good thing. And, um, and I'm glad he made the point. And I felt the need to share that just because it was on my brain. And uh, I think that if you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you'll know that there's a, there's a reason that he spoke out of the world of finance. If you really understand economics at a deep level, you start realizing that a lot of things, there, there are correlated ideas across disciplines. So I do the same thing. Sometimes I'll talk about something and people will say, Doc, why are you talking about rappers? You, you're an economics guy. That doesn't make any sense. You know, you're speaking out of turn. I'm like, no, because everything that's happening in hip hop is all about the economics. Everything that's happening, the reason that you're, that you're rappers, that you have black rappers openly supporting the death and murder of black people is because somebody paid them to do that. If you take the money out of the equation, then you then none of that will occur. These rappers wouldn't be saying half the things they're saying if somebody wasn't paying them to say it. So if you don't understand how all these things relate to economics, then you probably don't understand economics very well. So I encourage you to expand your thinking. Okay, guys. So um, anyway, by the way, we're, we're doing a conference in the Black Business School. Um, uh, Dr. Claude Anderson's joined us along with uh, a guy named Herb Strather and some others. And uh, they're really good. Uh, they, uh, Ju- Dr. Julianne Malveaux is joining us today. And uh, it's going to be an all-day conference. It's totally free to the community. Uh, so so feel free to join us. If you want to go to B1Wealth.com, you can still sign up. I'm going to put the URL on the screen. It's B1Wealth.com. And if you have any issues, um, you know, I, I guess getting access or something like that, you can uh, just get on the email list. The email list is allblackeconomics.com. I'm going to also send the link out that way as well. So um, so there we go, uh, B1Wealth.com. We're going to be doing this all weekend long. And uh, it's the Black Wealth Matters Conference. And we have, um, let's see, I see here, uh, Dr. George C. Frazier, Dr. Julianne Malveaux, uh, Gary Shelton, who's the co-chairman of Strather Affiliated Companies, Dr. Claude Anderson, Devon Reeves, the founder of the Vaughn Group, uh, Dr. Ken Harris, PhD, Gail, Gail Perry Mason, founder of Money, Money, sorry, founder of Money Matters for Youth, uh, Sheree Warwick, co-founder of the 10K Project, and Amari Head, director uh, at Paramount Lodging Advisors, who has been buying Black-owned hotels everywhere. So uh, if you're interested in joining, we, we tend to bring people in the Black Business School that really have done business, that have really made money, that have really been successful. Uh, that, that to me is, again, as a college professor, I can tell you that they can teach you things college professors can't teach you. Because while the college professors are often in the ivory tower writing research papers, these are the people that are actually out here getting business done and making money. And those are the people that we tend to lean toward in the Black Business School. So feel free to go to B1Wealth.com if you want to uh, take a look at the convention or at the conference and and uh, and come on in. It's going to be it's totally free to the public. And uh, it's just something we want to do for the community. All right, guys. Well, I'm out of here. Uh, please have a wonderful day. Hit the thumbs up, share, subscribe button on your way out. And I'll see you guys soon. Take care. Peace. 